What's up? And welcome to the Very Best Self Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Brown. Tune in each week as I have candid conversations with inspiring humans, including athletes, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and anyone out there making waves. Get ready to leave your comfort zone behind, step into your power, and live a more purpose-driven life. I am so happy that you're here. Now let's do this. What's up, squad? Welcome back. Uh, it's your girl. It's Victoria Brown. Uh, we got another episode for you today. And today's episode is with Dr. Kristen Neff. So she has been a pioneer in the field of self-compassion. Yes, self-compassion for the last 20 years. Uh, so Kristen Neff, Dr. Kristen Neff, um, is an associate professor at the Education of Psychology at the University of Texas at Austin. She's, like I said, a pioneer in the field of self-compassionate research. Uh, in addition, she's written numerous articles, academic articles, uh, book chapters on the topic. And she's the author of the book Self-Compassion. And she has a brand new book called The Fierce Self-Compassion, How Women Can Harness Kindness to Speak Up, Claim Their Power, and Thrive. She is just really all in when it comes to self-compassion and has dedicated her life to self-compassion and how we can be kinder to ourselves, which I don't want to like, you know, make any assumptions about anybody, but I'm pretty sure that's something that we can all always work on is how to speak kinder to ourselves uh, and really kind of nourish the relationship that we have with ourselves. Uh, And that's kind of the fundamental key to moving forward and finding success is can we be kind to ourselves? Do we have the ability to be our own hype man? Do we have the ability to be our own cheerleader? Do we have the ability to pick ourselves up when we're down? Because we're always inevitably going to find ourselves down from time to time. So can we pick ourselves back up? And that's where self-compassion comes in. So without further ado, let's jump all the way in. Here we go. All right, you guys, welcome back today. I am so honored and so excited to have this really just amazing conversation with Dr. Kristen Neff. Uh, So I want to thank you for being on today, Kristen. You are the guru when it comes to self-compassion and you've been in this space and studying it for over 20 years. So I'm honored to have you on today. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yes. So you're the author of two books on self-compassion. You have programs on self-compassion. Um, and so I guess really like, you know, with all of your research and the years and years that you've put into it, why do you think fundamentally self-compassion is so incredibly important, especially with the state of the world right now? Well, you know, self-compassion is really holding our own difficult emotions, uh, struggles, challenges with kindness, care, concern, and support. Uh, and when we don't do that, when instead we blame ourselves and judge ourselves or feel like it's just us or we, you know, hang our head in the, in the, put our head in the sand, so to speak, we really can't cope with the difficulties that come our way. So the reason self-compassion is so important is it's, it's a useful, helpful, effective way to deal with challenges um, that if we don't have it, you know, we just struggle a lot more or more likely to get depressed or anxious or use unhealthy means of coping. Uh, so self-compassion really just is such an important resilience tool. So it seems really simple, right? Like we should be nice to ourselves. That seems so basic. It seems so elementary and so simple. Why do we have such a hard time with being kind to ourselves? It's really easy to be nice yeah. to people around us, but it's so hard to be nice to ourselves. 
Well, I think it's, there's two main reasons. One, you know, we're all raised with the idea that it's supposed to, you're supposed to be compassionate to others. It's a good thing to listen and to be supportive and warm and caring. Um, we don't get that message with ourselves. We, you know, we believe that maybe it's selfish to be self-compassionate. We should put all our energy on helping others and not none for ourselves. Or, um, you know, we believe that it's going to make us weak. We kind of think that self-compassion is soft and squishy instead of what it really is, which is the strength and a, and a resource. Um, but the biggest, actually one of the biggest blocks is the fear that it's going to make us lose our edge, you know, that somehow it'll undermine our motivation, it'll undermine our drive. It used to be for, for kids, for parenting, we really thought we needed harsh, horrible punishment to get them to, you know, not be spoiled. And luckily with parenting, we, we realize they actually support and, you know, boundaries, but from a place of unconditional love is more helpful. We haven't quite gotten there with ourselves yet. So maybe we're just behind the curve. Yeah, I know. I feel that. Uh, it's something that I feel like I work on daily and something I talk about all the time because there is just so much value in being nice and kind to ourselves. And, you know, I always say like the relationship that we have with ourselves is, is the longest and most important relationship that we will ever have in this lifetime. That's right. It's, you know, so, we're the only one there, you know, three in the morning. Well, you may have a partner, but they may be snoring the sound of sleep. Right. Um, also just to say, you know, the term being nice to yourself, uh, it is being nice to yourself, but sometimes people misinterpret that as like being soft or just saying everything's Okay. Sometimes you need to be, you know, kind of use tough love with yourself, right? If you had a friend who's about to make a really harmful decision, wouldn't it be nice to say, oh, that's fine, dear? You'd say, hey, don't do that. You're going to harm yourself, right? So sometimes being nice to yourself means seeing, you know, where you've gone wrong, really facing up to maybe you hurt someone or you aren't doing something that's healthy. So it's not like Stuart Smiley, you know. <laughs> Every day I'm getting better and better. It's really, it's really just asking what do I need to be well, to be healthy, and giving yourself the honest answer? Right, and I think there's so much that has to do has to do with uh, what it's rooted in. The reason why we're resistant to it. It's so heavily rooted in and deep, like into our society and what society is ingrained into us. And so, not only is it, you know, was it parenting was you know thinking you had to be strict and you had to be hard on your kids in order for them to understand things and and listen. But there's, you know, a lot of people would say, I think in our own self-talk that being our own biggest critic and being hard on ourselves um, is a way to push ourselves forward. Yeah. And so I'd love to talk about finding success in our lives um, and that delicate balance between being hard on ourselves and beating ourselves up or, you know, cheering ourselves on. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny because if you break it down, there's a lot of ego in the self-critic. Like the self-credit at least knows sure. that you should have been, you know, knows what's right and what you should have done. <laughs> the, the ego doesn't, I mean, the critic doesn't have to face the reality. Is sometimes we try and we fail. That's the way human beings learn, right? And also it's kind of like this, this weird pride thing. Of my standards are so high that if I beat myself up, somehow that means I'm a good person because I'm beating myself up, right? All these weird things happen. And again, I do think sometimes it's because of confusion that people think you're either nice and like give yourself a break. Are you really hard on yourself? Well, sometimes you need to give yourself a break. Sometimes that's what you need. But again, sometimes you need like a pep talk. It's like a, it's like a you know top level coach. The coach, the really good coaches, they don't say, "Oh, yeah, that's fine. Your performances, you know, don't worry about it." <laughs> they, they try to have have their players do their best. But the idea is, I believe in you. I got your back. How can I help? And that type of supportive attitude is much, much more effective than calling yourself names or just belittling and shaming yourself. I mean, let's face it, is shame exactly a get up and go mindset? 
I don't think so. No, I don't think so either, to be honest. Um, so in, in, let's talk about, I would love to hear more on, you know, your thoughts on the physiology behind, uh, you know, the self-compassion. Yeah. So um, what we know is that when we fail or we make a mistake or we feel inadequate in some way, uh, what happens is we go into threat defense mode, right? So this is the oldest evolutionary, you know, evolved system designed to help us keep safe. So when we feel threatened, we go into fight, flight, or freeze, right? And so what happens probably with self-criticism is like we're fighting ourselves, we're fighting the problem, we're fighting ourselves, hoping that somehow we'll make a change and be able to keep safe. Or we, we flee, like we flee from the perceived judgments of others. We hang our head in shame, and again, that's the safety behavior to try to keep ourselves safe. Or else we freeze and play dead, which looks like rumination. Like we just get stuck and go over it again and again in our mind. Again, this is really a natural safety behavior. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't help to keep us safe. It usually just makes things worse. So, um, but we know that's why with self-criticism, for instance, we release a lot of uh, cortisol, we get inflammation, there's various uh, markers of sympathetic nervous system activity. But what we're doing with self-compassion is we're kind of doing a hack because another system evolved, which is called the care system, sometimes termed the attachment system, which evolved the care for others. It's, it's the system that, like, you know, um, inspires parents to take care of their children or group members to take care of each other. And, of course, people who took care of each other better were more likely to pass their DNA down to other generations. Um, but the system is really designed when we care for other people. And when we do that, we need these things like oxytocin, we increase heart rate variability, we feel safe. And so what we're doing with self-compassion is we're tapping into a system that evolved to care for others, and we're turning, we're making a U-turn, or we're actually using it with ourselves. So we're switching, we're jumping from sympathetic to parasympathetic activity. There's lots of research that supports this. And that's partly why it's more effective, because it helps us feel calm and safe and soothe, and we can make better decisions. Yeah, I love that. And there's a lot of parasympathetic in, in uh, meditation and uh, breath work as well, um, where you can kind of dive into both of those parts of, of your makeup and your brain um, and kind of really get to know yourself in that way. Um, and so I, I know you're a big believer in meditation as well. I love meditation for that reason. Yeah, well, so what we know about meditation is it's one of the most effective ways to retrain the brain, right? The brain is plastic. We get into bad habits, like the habit of beating ourselves up, thinking it's going to help. And meditation, especially meditation, is designed to cultivate feelings of kindness, for instance, can really be useful um, for changing your, your brain patterns. Although it's interesting, what we find in the research is that although meditation is effective for learning self-compassion, it's no more effective than other things like, you know, in the middle of the day saying, oh, man, that hurts. Oh, I'm here for you. So being something very informal in the moment like that is actually just as effective. So that's good news because although meditation is great, not all people like to meditate or they don't have the time to do it. What's really important is that you practice. Right? Any sort of regular practice helps change habits. It's making our inner critic somehow become our best friend and becoming a friend to ourselves um, or a cheerleader or whatever, whatever word you want to use, um, befriending ourselves, hyping ourselves up and really stepping away from just stepping outside of what it's always been and what the status quo has always been and how we're, we've always shown up and how we can be different. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to make that um, quick jump from making your inner critic your best friend, but, but it is useful to realize that the inner critic is trying to keep you safe. 
right? It's the only language it knows how. It's like, run, run, horrible. You know, it's like that's the language of the inner critic because it comes from this lizard brain, the threat defense system. So we don't want to beat ourselves up for beating ourselves up. We do want to be able to honor, okay, this voice, this critical, harsh voice is trying to keep me safe. It's trying to keep me from making mistakes. I honor that. And then, okay, it's kind of like once you hear the inner critic, okay, I hear you're trying to keep me safe. Thank you. Then it's actually easier to think of some other ways to keep yourself safe, which are which is the voice of support. And so it may be a cheerleader. If that's what you need, sometimes you just need a cheerleader. Sometimes you need someone to really sit you down and tell you the truth. You know, this this isn't working. You got to face it. That's also an important part of self-compassion. You know, so so over and over and again, we, we come to the, the quintessential self-compassion question, which is, what do I need right now to be well? And the answer to that is going to look very different depending on where you are at the time, the circumstances, the context. And also no one can answer that question for you. Um, but being willing to ask is the beginning of the journey of self-compassion. And then you'll probably get it wrong. You get back up. You try again. It's, it's, it's a process, not a destination. Yeah. And I say that that often, which is we don't have to have all the answers, but we have to begin to ask ourselves the right questions. Exactly. And that's a powerful question to ask yourself. What do I need in this moment to be well? Uh, and asking ourselves that several times within the course of one day, if that's what it takes and that's where you're at, you know? So in terms of, of you and your research, which you've been in the space for 20 years now, uh, what really got you super interested in self-compassion and beginning this, you know, pioneering this research in the way that you have? Um, well, for me, it was a personal journey. I mean, I certainly didn't invent the idea of self-compassion. Um, I learned about it when I started practicing mindfulness in a Thich Nhat Hanh group, a Vietnamese teacher, Thich Nhat Hanh, who talks a lot about self-compassion. And I was really stressed at the time. I was going through some difficult personal circumstances. And I was just so blown away by the immediate, I mean, I'm not talking like I had to wait a week. Immediately, when I started being more kind of supportive to myself, it was better. It's like, oh, wow, this is easier than it was a moment ago when I was beating myself up. So just seeing how effectively it worked for me. And then I started learning more. I actually started learning about Buddhism and more about compassion and how it works, the difference it can make. Um, and so then when I became an academic, I, uh, I just thought, well, you know, no one's really looked at it from an academic perspective. Other people have taught about it in other circles. Why not be brave and create a scale to measure it and see if we can study this thing? And that was 20 years ago. Still going strong. And the scale that you created is used widely now. It is. It's widely used. And I've created other scales, like state versions and youth versions and passion for others and um, that, but probably what I've been doing mainly the last 10 years is intervention research. So I, I don't need to show anymore that self-compassion is good for you. I mean, I think we have that pretty established. I'm really interested in, in how do we teach people how to become more self-compassionate. So with my colleague, Chris Germer, um, we, we founded the Center for Mindful Self-Compassion, and we have a training program which people can take online. So we have like a real pedagogy now of how to learn to be self-compassionate. Even if you struggle with it, it's, it's surprisingly effective. That's great. So there's lots of resources for people who are feeling like they want to dive deeper into this, but still not quite sure where to start. Um, everyone knowing that it's important and that it matters, uh, but still 
like I said, not knowing exactly where to start. And it's, it's difficult to, to jump into to that. And as you said, it's not something you just change overnight. It's not something you change on an instant. Mm-hmm. It's definitely something that happens over time. Um, but I do love that you're saying it, it, it you notice the, the effects instantly. Yeah, um, it doesn't mean you can change showing up compassionately all the time instantly, but you will notice the effects, right? Yeah. Away. So for instance, on my website, which is selfcompassion.org, I have a lot of free little practices, like short five to 10 minute practices. If you're struggling, you can just do one of them and see the difference it makes in your ability to cope. Does it help or not? I mean, you can be can make that decision for yourself. But I guess it's not rocket science. And the reason it's not rocket science is because you already know how to do it for others that you care about. So simply doing a U-turn and learning how to, um, or really giving yourself permission to be warm and supportive toward yourself as well. I love that. Just practicing going both ways, giving self-compassion or giving compassion rather and receiving self-compassion in your own sense. So what is one piece of advice that you would give your younger version of you? Well, immediately all the thoughts come of all the all the mistakes I made in my life. But yeah, but that it really is okay. I mean, it's okay to be the mess. It's okay to make all these mistakes that you're going to make because you are going to learn how to hold it all in compassion. And really, at the end of the day, what matters most, at least I would have told myself, at the end of the day, what matters most is your ability to open your heart. You know, the success, all that, that that's fine and good. But what really matters is your ability to open and connect and, and find your place in the larger scheme of things to opening your heart, even, even more than all the other indicators of success. So it'll be tough. I love that. You'll get through it. That's what I would say to myself. It's going to be tough for sure, but you'll get through it. <laughs> it's going to be a long road, a long, long journey, road. but you will get through it. And it <laughs> with some warmth. And the thing is, that's, that's, what, that's what's most important. Really, I'm not, I'm, I'm not lying when I say more important than getting it right is opening your heart because that's the thing you're going to carry with you at the end is having an open heart. I think that's where I'm I'm at this in this just this season of my life in general as well is like surrendering more. Yeah, so, so you give up the illusion of control, but you don't give up trying. You just do the best you can and kind of accept that you may or may not get it right. And again, it's not, it's not even so important whether or not you get it right. It's important that you set your intention, you try your best, and hopefully you do it all from a place of kindness and love. And that's really what's most important. Exactly. So hopefully everyone out there listening will bring a lot more self-compassion into their 2022, uh, which is timely for for when this episode in the new year will be coming out. Uh, because it's important. It really is to the success of all, all of our success. So thank you so much for being on. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, chatting with you. Same here. Thank you so much. All right. That is a wrap. I hope that there was something you could take from this episode that will remind you the importance of being kind to yourself, that will remind you the importance of building yourself up instead of breaking yourself down, that will remind you the importance of just having your own back, right? Uh, So hopefully you can add a little more self-compassion into your life. Uh, and, And I know it's for me on a personal note, it's something that I I struggle with. I do. I struggle with being kind to myself. I struggle with, you know, feeling like I'm not enough, right? And I think that's something that we all struggle with uh, from time to time. And it really does all circle back to self-compassion. It's rooted. It's deeply, deeply rooted 
in self-compassion. It really truly is. You know, it's like when you think to yourself, like, I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not funny enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not X, Y, or Z enough. And we convince ourselves that we're not worthy of something uh, because we lack something, right? Like, is it a fact or is it is it a feeling? And so it's something that I've been working on on a personal note for for many years now. And it's something that, you know, I don't think we ever really stop working on it. I, I, I truly don't think that the journey ever really ends when it comes to being kinder to ourselves. Uh, it's very, very easy. It's the easy way out to be hard on yourself. It really is. It's the, let's take it the easy way out, right? Being hard on yourself because it's it's simple to be hard on yourself. It's simple to say like, you know, get get in the beat down and say, I could have done this or I should have done that or it would have been better if I had done X, Y, or Z, right? But how does that support that kind of mentality, that kind of behavior in, in our minds? Like, how does that support us growing? How does it support our growth? Because it, it just, it actually doesn't. And, and the research out there does prove that, you know, as far as, you know, we jumped a little bit into it today, but, you know, in, in terms of parenting and how we parent our, our children, um, and I'm not lucky enough to be a mom yet, uh, but I know that for many, many years, it was like, you know, you had to be tough on your kids. You had to be strict. You had to be really, really hard on them. I'm not saying you shouldn't be strict, but um, there's a way in which that parents used to to do things. We want to feel support. And, you know, it's just the the buck doesn't stop at you giving support to those around you. It's got to come within you as well. And so it's about how we raise our kids. It's about how we raise ourselves, if you will, right? Let's just call it that. Um, And and leaning all the way into kindness and hell, you know, do an experiment with yourself, right? Like you don't have to say like, I'm mean to myself and this is the way it needs to be from now on, right? Like, you know, I love the idea of trying it on, right? Try it on for size for like a week. Say, okay, for one week of my life, for a full seven days, I'm going to try on being kind to myself. And so what that means is I'm going to challenge every negative thought that I have every single time. And also when we become like very, very hyper aware of that, it's like crazy because you you start to realize like, oh man, like I'm having way more negative thoughts than I even realized that I was having or having, right? And so like maybe you just say for seven days or for one day even, whatever it is, for one day, I'm going to try to intercept. I'm going to try to intercept every negative thought that I have about myself. I'm going to try to intercept that thought. And then I'm going to try to have a conversation with myself around that thought. Ask myself, is this lifting me up? Is this powerful? If the answer is no, ask myself how I can replace that thought with one that is kind to myself. And then just maybe you journal about it. Maybe you get to the end of the day and you're like, okay, like I, these are the thoughts I blocked out. Here's how I replaced them. Here's how it made me feel. Cool. Then try it again the next day. Try it again the next day. Try it again the next day. And then maybe notice and reflect on how you feel you know, seven days later after intercepting your thoughts. And it's not going to be easy. I'll tell you that right now. It will not be easy. Uh, it certainly is not easy for me. It's definitely a practice, right? That's why they call it a practice because you have to practice it. Um, for me, it's definitely a practice. But I'm just I'm just going to say that, I don't know. I think that the pendulum starts to swing. You build a momentum. And the nicer we are to ourselves, I think the faster we can get to where we're trying to go.
And if you're trying to climb, if you're trying to find success in your life, if you're trying to make it somewhere, if you're trying to make something happen, maybe the one thing we're not doing is being nicer to ourselves. Maybe that's the one thing we're not thinking about. And maybe it's the one thing we should be thinking about. I will leave you with that. Uh, All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for being here. I say it every time, but it really means the absolute whole world to me. Uh, So thanks for your presence. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing this. Uh, If you found anything in today's episode to be helpful, share it with somebody you love, share it with somebody you know, share it on Instagram, tag tag me at Victoria Brown, tag at Very Best Self. Uh, We would love to see what uh, resonated with you. Uh, Beyond that, we love your reviews. We love your five-star ratings and uh, make sure you subscribe. And that's it for today. I will see you guys next week. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Uh, See you next time. 